Well, good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to a new series we're starting today called Witness. Before we get into it this morning, brought out a little decoration from my office. How about them Chiefs? That's right. All right. There's a few of you here this morning. That's good. Um, just one of those things, you know, it's, it's when your team is winning, it's great. I've been a fan my whole life, and uh, when they're winning, it's happy. So uh, we won yesterday, going to host, that's right, host at Arrowhead next week, the AFC Championship game. And so anyway, just thought I'd bring this out and bear witness to the fact that the Chiefs uh, won and are going to beat either the Patriots or the Chargers next week. So, and I, I, I want the Patriots personally, but, you know, that's for another, another deal. But no, seriously, we're uh, beginning a new series today called Witness. We're going to be talking about uh, Jesus' uh, command to disciples, to, to his followers, to be a witness for him, to bear witness for him to the world. Before we do that this morning, let's ask God to, to uh, speak to us this morning. So just going to give you about five seconds here. Just pray that prayer with me. Lord, today, speak to me. Lord, today, speak to me right now. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And the Lord will do it. We expect Him to do it. As we're beginning this series, it's great to be in a new year and to think new thoughts. Um, and this may be one of those things that becomes a new thought to you, or maybe a, a new twist on something that maybe you felt like you've known your whole life. Uh, some, one of those things that maybe it's always been with you, but you didn't fully understand it. And so I think this is going to be a very important series for us going into the new year, going into 2019, and understanding what God really wants from His people. Um, when it first came to the marching orders, uh, when Jesus was sharing His last few words before He left this world, and we talk about this a lot here at Oakwood, it's found in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, it's called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission uh, was the marching orders for this is what I want you, this is what I want you to do. And it says this, Jesus started out in verse 18 by saying, All authority in heaven and earth have been given unto me. And when you raise from the dead, you can say things like that. So the uh, Son of God says, Hey, all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, because I am the Son of God, because I have raised from the dead, because I have that power, therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you always on this mission, even to the very end of the age. He'll always be with us. And we hear the Great Commission. Uh, we talk that we're a Great Commission church, that uh, we're to be a people, that that is our marching orders. We are called by God to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that is what our calling is. That is what our life is to be about. And you might say, yes, okay, I agree with that. We're going to make disciples. But how do we do that? What is the calling of the how? How are we going to do this exactly, Jesus? Well, you read the end of the Gospels and you think, well, that's it, right? Jesus gets to the end of his life. He gives his marching orders. He goes to heaven and that's it. But there's actually some red letters in the book of Acts. And we're going to be looking at uh, uh, just one verse from that today. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you didn't bring your Bible, grab that one that's right there around you. Turn it to page 909. And you might be reading, if you have one of those editions of the Bible that's the red letter edition where all of Jesus' words are in the red letters, you're going to find out that today's verse in Acts chapter 1 is red letters. 
And some of the last things Jesus says right before he ascends to heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so we've got the marching orders. We understand we're to make disciples. We're supposed to go out. We're supposed to baptize them and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. But how are we going to do this exactly? Jesus drills down on that even more here. And let's see what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's talking to the disciples, the apostles, the ones that are there gathered around him, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You, first of all, it says, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we need that power because if we try to do the mission of God on our own, there is no way we'll have success. There are Holy Spirit promptings, Holy Spirit urgings, there's guidance from the Lord, knowledge and wisdom from on high that we need if we're going to go out and be a great commission person and actually do what it says and make disciples with our lives. And so before we get to the next part of how he's going to do it, he says, first of all, I want you to understand the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. Now, Jesus ascended into heaven about 40 days after the resurrection. So he'd been on earth 40 days. He had taught. These are some of his last words. It says, if you read there in, um, just a little bit further down in the verses there, it talks about him being ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And, and so this is right before that happens. And then we know about the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was 50 days after that. And so we know on the day of Pentecost, that's the day that we recognize that, that the, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so really about 10 days later, they're, they are in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit comes to them, and they receive this power injection from God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus' name was Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And he was telling the disciples in the upper room discourse in John's Gospel, chapters 13 through 17, that there's one coming. He's going to be the counselor. He's going to be the helper. He's going to be the comforter. And that person, the Holy Spirit, is going to come and actually be God in us. And so we go from Jesus, God with us, to the Holy Spirit, God in us. And when he comes in you, you will receive power you need to do what? What does it say in the rest of the, of the verse there? It says, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. All of you that love Jesus and all of you that have accepted his grace and all of you that have held on to that salvation and held on to the hope of, of heaven and eternal life with God someday, all of you who have believed and have put your faith there and are living your life there, you, you will be my witnesses. That's how we're going to make disciples of all the nations. Is people are going to rub shoulders with the followers of me, and you're going to bear witness for me. But you're not going to do it on your own power, right? It's not something you just do, and you just practice, you get so much better. It's something that God's going to help you with this because you receive the Holy Spirit, and you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a resurrection from the dead type of power that you receive. Raises the dead. I was talking to a, a lady this week. I had done a funeral uh, for a family, a lady who is 91 years old, um, just a dear, dear lady. And I was talking to uh, the family the weekend before, and I was reminded of a story that, that this lady that had passed away, one of her daughters, was actually kidnapped at knife point one time. 
And, and, you know, that's really rare. I mean, there's not many of us today who'd be like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. I was kidnapped at knife point. But what's amazing about her story, and I'm not going to share the whole thing, just, just this little part here. What's amazing about it was she said that we were raised, and it was five girls in the family. She's like, we were raised to believe in the power of God. But this wasn't just something that we read on paper and something that we observe and something we put our faith in. And it's like, well, this, is, this is real. This is like daily life living stuff. And we believe in the power of God. And so when I'm sitting there in my car with a knife to my throat being kidnapped, I felt the urge to tell this guy, hey, I want you to know I'm a Christian. I'm a child of the living God. And there's nothing you can do to me that is out of God's control. And if you do something to me, he's going to deal with you. And I just want you to know that up front. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know if that's like the best, you know, most advisable thing to say to someone. But, I mean, I saw it in her eyes as she's telling the story. She didn't care. She's like, I don't care what happens to me because I'm a child of the living God. And if I go now, if this is how I go, I win. <laughs> I get to go to heaven and be with him. And so, and so that kind of power, see, that, that wasn't her speaking. That's the Holy Spirit in her life giving her the strength and power to do what God has called her to do in that moment. And she lived. She's still alive. She's with us today. And it's amazing how we, we sometimes think of God's power as this anemic thing and it's weak. And, oh, it was more powerful in the Bible. And in the Bible times, it's not as powerful today. But it's actually the Holy Spirit's power that's going to help us bear witness. So here's my question. Why are we struggling being witnesses for Jesus Christ then? Why is it so hard for us to be witnesses? I want to share some thoughts with you this morning on this. And maybe some factors. If you were to look at Christianity today and you were to say, why are Christians struggling being witnesses for Jesus Christ? What, what are some factors that come into play here? The first one is this. I think there's the public speaking factor of being a witness for Jesus. The public speaking factor. We think that we have to be, you know, have to have theologically robust linguistics. And we have to stand up in front of groups and crowds and, and that that's bearing witness for Jesus Christ. But Actually, if you study the Great Commission, and most scholars that I've read, when they talk about that Jesus says to go, that you go and make disciples of all nations, that word go and the, and the phrasing of it, and that it's a continual action, actually means as you go. As you go to work, as you go to the soccer field, as you go along your way, make disciples. So it's not like we're going to go to a destination and share our faith and be witnesses for Christ. No, it's actually as you go along your way, as you're going throughout your day, and as you go to the bank and the grocery store and you run errands and you talk to your kids, friends, moms, and you, you do all these things, you know, you as you go, you are going to share your faith. And so it's not about, it's not about public speaking at all. It's about doing the Great Commission. It's about not proclaiming it to a crowd maybe you'll have that opportunity but it's not about proclaiming it to a crowd it's proclaiming it to your friend proclaiming it to a family member proclaiming it to someone who is a co-worker that you work with every day I, I think the gospel and, and the great commission is more about one-on-one -on -one than it was ever about intended to be about one speaking to hundreds and so don't let that be a factor, this public speaking factor, this fear of speaking in front of people type of thing. The second factor um, of why we struggle with being witnesses for Christ, I think, is the competency factor. The competency factor. Most people would say, I don't know everything. And I'm telling you this morning, I don't know everything either. And I've went to Bible college four years and, and read and, and study and have had privilege sitting under wonderful teaching and, and ministry. And I don't know everything. 
So people think about this. What, what, what if I go against a temperamental atheist? What if I come up against a temperamental, I mean, not just an atheist, but a temperamental one, and, and they ask me some really hardcore questions, and I don't know, you know my apologetics well enough to defend my faith, and there's this competency factor. And many Christians say, you know, I'm not going to be a witness for Jesus. I'm going to keep that on the lowdown, be, you know, the secret Christian. Uh, because many Christians have this concern. I don't know what to say. But what did Jesus say? He said... When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. And what he was saying there is you'll have everything you need. You'll have the power of your mind and the wisdom of God from on high, and you'll have everything you need. You'll be competent. So, so put away the fear of looking dumb or incompetent and, and pull out the faith that God's going to give you the power to say what you need to say in those moments. The third factor is the priority passion factor. Some people would say they are just passionate about other priorities. And though that is true in some ways, I think that people are different and maybe they have different strengths and different abilities and God gives us all different spiritual gifts, the Bible says, that we may have different areas that, that might have be, be an area of, of passion, that we should all be passionate about being witnesses and saving someone's soul from hell. That ought to be something that gets us up in the morning and, and, and yeah, let's, let's do this. I mean, that ought to be something that is exciting for us to be a part of, is the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of God to save people from their sins, to turn them away to repentance, to get them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that should be a priority and a passion in our lives. And we can't, we can't make it be other things because most of the time what mounts up to us is some really bad, poor excuses. I mean, some really bad, poor excuses of why, well, I'm just not really passionate uh, about people going to heaven. Um, you know, how do you say that? I mean, how can you even think that? And so this motivation that we should have is from, comes from Jesus himself and his sacrifice on the cross for us. And so, um, you know, I think this really comes down to maybe fear again, but also maybe just discomfort. That our priority is to stay as comfortable as we can. And so we have this priority passion factor that sometimes hinders our witness. A fourth one is the alternative ministry factor. The alternative ministry. While bearing witness for Christ should rank number one as your job is following Jesus and being a child of God. As that should rank number one on your priority list and on every believer's priority list of what we're called to do. Many Christians would deflect that and conclude... I'll just minister in other ways. I'll do my ministry, and, and, and you know I don't need to be a witness. Does, does God really want everyone to be a witness, like everyone everywhere that follows him to be a witness? You know, there's some other people that are better at that than I am. They can do that. I am going to you know, serve in this area, or I, I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to know the Bible really well, or I, I'm going to be a prayer warrior. Bible readers, prayer warriors, great servants, all should have the top priority being to win the lost. Jesus said, make disciples. Jesus said, make disciples. And you'll be my witnesses to do that, and you'll have the power to do that. We need to quit making excuses about that. And the last one is the leave it to the professionals factor. Okay, this is the worst excuse of all. Don't ever think this in your mind. Don't ever have this come out of your mouth, please. I'm not even going to go there because the disciples and the apostles and the church leaders and even the apostle Paul in the Bible, they are called this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, uh, it says that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were not seminary grads. 
They didn't go to Bible colleges and sit in classes for years. They hung out with Jesus for three years and walked where he walked and watched his life and watched his example in in Acts 4.13. And that could be a verse that maybe is encouraging to you to write that down. Acts 4.13 says that they took note that these these powerful men that were speaking the truth of God, they'd already had 3,000 people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and were baptized on the first day of the church. And those guys were unschooled, ordinary people. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, I feel just normal. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't know that much about the Bible. Uh, Maybe you could say, relate to that. Hey, I'm unschooled and ordinary. Great. That's who God calls to be witnesses for him. That's who he wants to go out into the world. And so don't even go there in your mind. Don't ever let that come out of your mouth. It is a really, really bad excuse because what does Acts 1-8 say? We're going to put it on the screen this time. What does it say? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the end of the earth. And it's interesting that he says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, end of the earth. He's talking about Jerusalem, which is all where they're at right now. He's like, you're going to be my witnesses here. Not only there, you're going to be there and in, 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 we're going to spread the region out a little bit here to Judea and to Samaria, these regions around Jerusalem. And even to the end of the earth, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you will be my witnesses. And so the fact is that we are called by Jesus and empowered by his spirit to take a personally active role in the expansion of Christ's life-redeeming influence in the world. That is our duty. We have been empowered by his spirit, and it is supposed to be a personal active role in the expansion of Christ's life-redeeming influence in the world. And we know that even today in 2019, that the gospel can change everything for anybody. It can change everything. I've seen the gospel penetrate some hearts and lives and save marriages from divorce. I've seen the gospel penetrate uh, lives and turn people's complete life, the way they were living, their lifestyle, their financial situation completely around. I've seen people that you felt like, you you just knew that they were heading the direction of hell and you knew it by the way that they talked and the way that they walked and the way that they lived and their attitude in life. And I've seen God's love penetrate there, his grace be accepted there, his forgiveness come upon them and it completely changes their life. It completely changes them. And so that gospel has to get out today just like it did back then. And we, we need people who are going to be witnesses to that. So here comes the question that everybody probably tries to think about because, you know, we're, we like the bare minimum. We like to, you know, make excuses sometimes. Or we like to just know what do we have to do. Okay? The question is, does, is, is the Bible saying that every Christian is to be a witness? Does every Christian, are they called to be a witness? And if you look at, according to not only this scripture in Acts, but in the rest of the New Testament, it is a resounding and loud and definitive yes. So if you're here this morning saying, I'm a Christian, but I'm not called to be a witness. Witness was for someone else or, or for Bible college people or for you know, better people than I am. No, no, no. You are called to be God's witness right where you are. Jesus tells his disciples, you will be. You will be. There were no ifs. Ands or buts about it. He said, you will be. You will be witnesses. Witness. That, that term is, is really a comprehensive definition of what it means to be a Christian. 
is that you're going to encounter God, you're going to put your faith and your belief in Him, and then you're going to walk in His ways, and you are going to bear witness of all that God has done in your life, and you're going to take that out as you go along your way and share it with everyone everywhere. Now, this term witness can refer to action. The biblical book that this this term is found in uh, that we read today is called the book of Acts. The full name of the book is actually the Acts of the Apostles. And so it would appear that action was priority. And if you read the book of Acts, you know action is priority. We see the church at work. We see the early Christians doing what God has called them to do, what he's putting on their hearts. We see the power that he's talking about, that you will receive power. We see that power being worked out as they continue to serve God and as we continue to see see the kingdom grow and his church grow. And yet Jesus reveals that the meaning of witness is not limited to just a task. It has to do with our very identity as well. Because it says that you will be my witnesses. But there is an action that goes with this. You see, to witness includes testifying to what one has seen, heard, and experienced. If you were called to be a witness in a court case, that's what you would do. You would testify to what you have seen, what you have heard, and what you have experienced. Look what it says here in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4. through It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim it to you, eternal life, which was with the Father and has made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. How many of you would like to have complete joy? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everybody ought to be like, yeah, I'd like to have some joy in my life. And I would like to have a joy that actually is complete joy. And that we find out that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That comes from being in the fellowship with other believers, with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And see, right there in 1 John 1, right at the very beginning of of that book, it tells us that we are to testify, that we are to, that uses the word proclaim, eternal life to others, so that we can have fellowship together. Indeed, our fellowship is through the Father and through His Son, Jesus Christ. But it is more than just doing. It's more than just giving a testimony. It's being. Jesus chose his words strategically, and he said, you will be my witnesses. He could have said, you will do my witnessing. He could have said it that way. He said, you could do this or you could do that, but he didn't. He said, you will be. And the reason he said it that way, I think, is because he wanted that to be our identity. That you would actually see that as that is who I am in Christ Jesus. I am a witness to Jesus Christ. I'm a witness of his love and his grace and his mercy. I am a witness of the forgiveness of sins that can be found only in him. He didn't say, now you go and do my witnessing. He said, I want you to be my witnesses. 
So our whole being is at stake here. Our identity, our Christian identity and our character is wrapped up in this. And here's what Jesus was doing. Jesus challenges his audience to have their lip service match their life service. That's what being a witness is really all about. Having your lip service match your life service. Makes me what I mean by that. There's a lot of people who say, well, I'm a Christian, and I, you know, I love Jesus and stuff. It's like, we need to bear witness to that to the lost and dying world. We need to be able to testify of look at the work God's done in my life. Look at the change he's made in my heart. Look at this marriage saved. Look at the situation he's helped me with. Look at my prayer life. Look at my Bible study. Look at how I relate to people differently today. Look at the love and compassion I have for others. Look at how I treat my spouse. Look at how I love and admonish my children. And this lip service that we give so many times, Jesus is saying, you'll be my witnesses because your lip service is going to match your life service here. Now you may say, well, that's really difficult. And that's true, and that's probably why the poet wrote this, that he'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Because it's rare. But remember, you're not doing this on your own. He didn't say, hey, go figure it out on your own. You'll be my witnesses. He said, no, no, the Holy Spirit is in you when you accept Christ. And and the Holy Spirit's power is in you. And you have the power from God on high to be my witnesses. And you're a walking testimony of his love, his grace, his goodness, and his mercy and forgiveness. Your witness, though, begins with your identity. Whether you're a witness for Christ or a witness for the world, you are a witness for something. And so I want to ask you that question this morning because it's the most important question that we'll answer. Are you a witness to the world this morning? Are you a witness for Jesus Christ? Are you a witness for the world because everything in your life is based on the world? It's the worldly standards. It's what the world says I need. Um, Money, intelligence, ability, beauty, all of those things. Those are my life's pursuits. Those are the things you come look at me and and, and look at my makeup and say how beautiful I am. You'll come to me and say, look how smart you are. You'll you'll see how far I can, you know, throw a football and say, oh, look what abilities you have. And and we, we value those things. We even sometimes get to a point where almost feels like we're worshiping those things, those worldly values, those are the things we're looking at, but not when you're a witness. So you're a witness for something. And if you look at your life right now, and I were to just meet you and and just look at your life, just a snapshot of today, maybe even a snapshot of just this last seven days, and I were to say, you're a witness to something, what would I say you're a witness to? To worldliness? Right, I say, man, must have Jesus you must know Christ as your Lord and Savior because the way you live your life bears witness to his love and his grace his mercy and forgiveness and I want to encourage you that you have the power to do it because you have the Holy Spirit in you and Jesus says that if you're going to be a follower of me You will be my witnesses. So where's your identity this morning? What's it really wrapped up in? Is it your career? Is it another person? Maybe a relationship you have in this world other than Jesus? Is it your favorite activity that really defines who you are? Maybe it's something that you've accomplished in your life. 
But those things don't own you. And they shouldn't define you. Because your identity is what makes you recognizable. Your identity should be in Jesus Christ. You could look at me, Eric Keller, and say, hey, he's a Chiefs fan. He even brought a helmet and set it on the pulpit. But I would hope more than that, you would say, he's a witness. A witness to the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Because I feel like I'm that every week. Because I'm like, if God can use me, ordinary, I know he can use you. Somebody asked me when I became senior minister here what I wanted to be called. I kind of made a funny. I said, I'd like to be called the Pope of Oakwood. I said, the Pope? I said, let me tell you what it stands for before you get crazy. Plain old Pastor Eric. Pope. Because there's really not anything special about me except Jesus. Jesus. And though we may not bear his witness perfectly 100% of the time I think that people have that sense that when you are really in Christ Jesus and walking with him your witness will be a testimony to the world I want to end this morning with this verse 1 Peter 2.10 puts it this way once you had no identity as a people now you are God's people once you received no mercy Now you have received God's mercy. Have you received his mercy this morning? Have you called upon his name and called him your Savior and your Lord? We're going to give you the opportunity to do that in just a moment. Let's pray.